John chapter 10. The gospel of love. Amen. If you read John, his epistles, and you read the gospel of John, same writer, there's nothing but love in there. Aren't you thankful for the love of God? Where would we be without His grace, but where would we be without His love? Thank God for God's love unto us. And, and uh, in John chapter 10, I'm going to preach here for a little bit. I was praying today, and just the Lord just spoke this to me as I was reading. I was actually reading in Malachi, and, and something came in my spirit. And uh, so we're going to go there too a little bit later. But I got a lot of scripture and I'm going to read them and go through them and, and you can mark them down. If you have a pencil or something you want to mark them down, you can. Uh, or you can just go back and watch the live stream if you want, you know. Uh, and it's free. Amen. It's free. I mean, you know, if you come to church here, thank God the gospel's free, but we do appreciate your giving and faithfulness. Because we couldn't do what we do if you weren't faithful to pay your tithes and give in offerings and missions and all of that. But, uh, but if you want to mark this down and, and, and make notes, you can. But I want to get right into this because I want to make sure that I say everything i got to say in a timely manner. And uh, the Bible says here, we're going to pray over the Word of God, but we're going to get into it here in John chapter 10, verse 1. But let's pray over the Word Father, we thank you for this time to come and break open the bread of life. And Lord, I come to you and I admit and I submit to you and admit that I'm nothing, God. I, I am only what you have made me by your grace. I am what I am. And Lord, I just ask you tonight that you would speak through me to this congregation, that I'll be clear and I'll communicate your thought. And God, that you will, you will minister to every heart and that we'll receive it glean from it, grow, mature, and, and uh, Lord, that we will ultimately, ultimately glorify you. I pray your blessing upon it and your anointing upon my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in John chapter 10, verse 1, the scripture says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus said, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, there's that word, sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way the same as a thief and a robber. I'm, I just feel in my heart to say this, that there are a lot of people that are trying to circumvent God's plan for salvation or his way to eternity. And you can't go up any other way or you're a thief and a robber. Amen. You can't circumvent God's plan and method, which is through Jesus Christ and uh, salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. But he said... But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, to him, uh, he says, the porter openeth and the sheep hear his voice and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. Aren't you thankful he knows your name? Amen. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Aren't you thankful you know his voice? And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. For they know not the voice of strangers. Be careful what stranger you listen to. Amen. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but 
They understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. And then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, and by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I want you to know tonight that God wants you and I to have His abundant life. We're not supposed to live beneath abundant life, but we're supposed to live life and life more abundantly through Jesus Christ. And so if you're downtrodden tonight, you don't have to be. If you're discouraged, depressed, tormented, and dealing with anxiety or fears or questions, you don't have to be tonight, but you and I are called to live life more abundantly, amen, to have this abundant life flowing through us. And that's the promise that we have. But he said here in the word, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, thank God. But he that is a hireling and not a shepherd whose own sheep whose own the sheep are not seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep the hireling flees because he is a hireling and cares not for the sheep but he said i am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine i know my sheep and am known of mine as the Father knoweth me, even so I, so know I the Father, and lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are, are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Amen. And he said, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man took it, taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself, and I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Now I want to preach to you tonight a simple message entitled, His Own Sheep. His Own Sheep. I want to talk about you as a sheep and and what there is expected of you and, and, and the promises that we have. And I just want to talk about his own sheep, you know. I was almost going to entitle this, What Kind of Sheep Are You? <laughs> but, uh, but the Lord said, I want you to focus more on me. And, and you can hit on that towards the end of the message. But the Bible is clear that sheep and lambs are how God categorizes or how he considers you and I. He looks at us as sheep. I know we're people, we're human beings, but we're, we're considered or classified and categorized as sheep because of their nature, because of all of the attributes and the aspects uh, of a sheep. That's the reason why. And But there's more to it than that. We read here in John 10 all of this, how we are looked at by God as sheep. Jesus is the great good shepherd. David, in the Old Testament, considered himself 
a lamb because he said the Lord is my shepherd. So what he was saying is I'm a sheep in the eyes of God. And he talked about all the things that God does for his sheep. And as a lamb, how he was protected, how he was blessed, how he was fed, how he was taken care of, how he was led. All of these wonderful things. How he could rest in security and not want for anything because he belonged to the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. So I said that because David considered himself a lamb. Peter said in 1 Peter 2 verse 25, For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. So Peter understood this analogy or definition of the, 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 the soul of man, God's creation being considered sheep. And he said, we went astray, but we've been returned unto the shepherd and bishop of our souls. And that's verse 25, but I was intrigued by verse 24. He said, we are sheep because we've been reconciled and redeemed because he, Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. So we're called to be in that sheepfold and we are sheep and his sheep because he died for us. Amen. He died for us. Hebrews 13 verse 20 through 21 tells us Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. Through the blood of an everlasting covenant, he is perfecting us in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus. So we are purchased, we are, we, we are, we are sheep, his sheep, because of what Jesus did, but God is perfecting us and working in us. It's so beautiful. He didn't just save us and say you're on your own, but he said you belong to me, you know my voice, you are you are known of me and I know you and I he loves us tonight amen aren't you thankful to be a sheep of the of the sheepfold of the Lord Jesus Christ who is the good shepherd now all of this speaks of the great redemptive hope that we have in Christ Jesus but equally the manner of sheep that we are to be there is a type of sheep and lamb you and I are supposed to be and you're not supposed to be rebellious. That's right. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was and is the greatest example to us. Also by coming under the identity of a lamb. Think about that for just a second. Not only are we called sheep, and have we been redeemed as his sheep, and he is our shepherd, but we know from the scripture that Jesus took upon him the form of a lamb. Not only did he take upon him the form of a man, but in the spiritual realm, he took upon him the form of a lamb. And uh, the Bible says in John 1, I'm sorry, John, yeah, John chapter 1, going over into the very first verse, the very first chapter, I'm sorry, of the, of the gospel of John. In verse 29, this is what it says. It says here, the next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
And he said in verse 30, This is he of whom I said after me comes, um, cometh a man, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And we know he was way before John. In fact, he's always existed. Amen. God has always been. Somebody said, Who created God? I said, Nobody. He's always existed. He's always been uh, eternal, eternally. And so the Bible says in, in verse 36, And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said again, Behold the Lamb of God. This truth of Jesus being the Lamb didn't start or originate on the banks of the River Jordan. But it started, and it's been penned from the very beginning of time, but especially in Isaiah. I love the Scripture. I love to read the Scripture. The Scripture stirs me in my heart. It ministers to me in my spirit but in Isaiah chapter 53 and I want us to turn there Isaiah 53 I can never tire of hearing the scriptures about our Messiah but in Isaiah 53 verse 6 the Bible says this it says in the word all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way. Is there anybody in here who never turned to their own way, who never went astray? Everybody, everyone in here has done at one point in time in their life something that caused them to stray from the glory of God that he originally purposed for man. And we were born into this life into sin. But thank God, even though we've fallen short of the glory, he redeemed us to pick us back up. Amen. As sheep in that sheepfold and sheep in that pasture but he says here all we like sheep amen have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all that's Jesus and the Bible says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb, did you hear that? To the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is done. So he openeth not his mouth. But I love this. I always read those two verses because really, truly, what happened next was that verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. We should always hear the scriptures about Jesus, what he did, who he is, and never forget that. Because that is the reason for the power in the gospel. I was talking to Pastor Lee Ship on Sunday, and he said, we read and we quote, and I've heard every preacher quote it, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. He said to everyone that believeth, he said, but what people don't ever tell you is why it's powerful. It is powerful because what Jesus did on the cross enabled enables you to come to a place of, of, of righteousness and a place of faith. He said, herein in the gospel, the powerful gospel that's preached, herein is the righteousness of God. It's brought about through from faith to faith. I love that scripture. Herein is the righteousness of God. It's, it's, it's established in you. It's birthed in you. It's, it's, it's forged in you and I. That's why it's powerful. It's powerful because it can do what no other power can do. 
Sure, discipline's powerful, but nothing's powerful like the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, 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 there's other things that we know have power. I'm not going to say that they don't. You know, I can tell you money has a little power to it. There's money. There, where there's money, there's power. I can tell you. People that have money have power. But there's no power like the blood of Jesus. That money cannot buy you peace of mind. That money cannot buy you peace in your soul. That money can, it may buy you a house. It may buy you a car. It may even buy somebody that will treat you like they love you. But it cannot do what the blood of Jesus can do. It cannot do what the gospel can do. The gospel is powerful (laughs) and herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith that's what the scripture says I love to read the scripture about what Jesus did he was wounded for our transgressions where? on Calvary's cross And all heaven in Revelation 5 are around the throne. And they're watching as the Lamb takes the book out of His hand, who's seated on the throne, out of the right hand. And the Bible says, oh, i got to read it. I've read it. I've preached it. You know, and, 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 and I never tire of preaching and ministering these beautiful scriptures. Because... I'm going to tell you the reason why is because God put great importance on it that he put it in the word of God. This is what's happening around about the throne of God. And he said when John was weeping and he said there's nobody to open that book. There's nobody to open that scroll. There's nobody to interpret it, to read it, to open it. Nobody can. And he said I wept. That's a lot of people because they do not realize the God that they serve. They do not realize the God that went over and said I'll take that book and he was the only one that could do that and the Bible says John's weeping and all heaven is standing at attention but in verse 7 of of chapter 5 the Bible says this let me turn there because I got my paraphrase or my parallel Bible here and it's small print but he said and he came and took the book verse 7 chapter 5 out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne and when he had taken the book the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps golden vials full of odors which are the prayers of the saints and they sung a new song saying thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood by thy blood out of every kindred every tongue every people and every nation and the Bible says this and has made unto us unto our God kings and priests did you hear that not only did he redeem us but he has made us kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth and behold I heard the voice of many angels around about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such are in 
and the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. That's what's going on in heaven. When John said there's nobody to open that book, they said, but stepped out a lamb who had been slain. But he's alive. He was alive, and, but dead, but yet he, he's alive again. The stone's been rolled away. Thank God. Why am I sharing this with you? Because I want you to understand these scriptures, and they're very powerful. Um, why did I say all of this or share all of this? Because lambs and sheep seem to be a, 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 a central thread throughout the Bible concerning you and concerning our Savior. It's a central thread. A central thread. Why did I share this? Because Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. But listen, he was also the shepherd of the sheep. It's a paradox, if you will. How can you be the sacrifice, but also the one that did sacrifice? How can you be the sheep and the shepherd of the sheep? It's, it's, it's it, the lamb, brother. But he, the, he represents the innocence and the humility and the meekness and the lowliness of the lamb. That's why he's categorized or defined in that specific office of Savior as a lamb. Because I can tell you, he's not coming back as a lamb. He's coming back as a reigning, ruling, conquering king. Riding a horse. (laughs) And I can tell you, he that sits upon the throne has all power and authority. But he represented as the lamb, the innocence and the humility and the meekness and the lowliness of the lamb. But also as an office of a shepherd which speaks of responsibility. He's a responsible God for your soul. He's so responsible, there's no ending of his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But I felt like God left me. He didn't leave you. He never forsook you. He was there with you. And he's never left you. Amen. But it speaks of his responsibility To go further, he was sacrificed and he was the role of priest and sacrificer because he laid down his own life. Are you seeing? He not only was the sacrifice, but he was the one who laid down his life because he's called the great high priest. He laid down his own life. And I'm saying this to illustrate a picture that while we are recipients of his grace, recipients of his mercy and the powerful redemption of the cross and the blood that was shed, we are also presenters of our own lives unto God. Do you get that? Jesus was not, he was a lamb, he was the sacrifice, but he was also the shepherd and the great high priest that laid his life down. What we, There's such parallel there. There's such parallel there. We cannot save ourselves, but the Apostle Paul emphatically said, he said in the Word of God in Romans chapter 12, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living sacrifice. Did we just not read that he said he's called us, redeemed us, and made us kings and priests? 
Did you know that, that you, you being the very uh, temple of the Holy Ghost, you, you and every one of us in here are priests? Well, that was weak. Maybe that's the problem. People don't realize that there's a responsibility as the priest over this life. Amen. Amen. But we're, we're kings and priests. We're called to be kings and priests. That's what he's redeemed us to be. Not even so much called us. That's what he's made us. That's what we are. Kings and priests. And, and, and every one of you is a presenter of this life unto God. And we're to present this body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Amen. Which is your reasonable service. And he said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you and I are priests in essence that are, to, that are to lay this life down and surrender it unto God. And we're to present this body unto him this life in every form and fashion your desires your will come on now everything is to be surrendered to him you ought to pray God I want to surrender my will unto you it's surrendered unto you I want to surrender my life unto you. I want to surrender my desires unto you. I want to surrender my everything unto you. My ambitions. Everything belongs to you. My money belongs to you. My life belongs to you. Amen. There's nothing that I have is my own. I came into this world with nothing. I'm leaving with nothing. Amen. You know, I looked and I've been at been several funerals and everybody goes out in the same way. That's right. Everybody's, I, you may be wealthy in this life, but everybody dies the same way. For the, what I'm saying is everybody goes through that portal of death. And you leave everything behind you except what was eternal that you take with you, which is Christ. Only thing you take with you is what was eternal. You ain't going to take your Cadillac or your Lincoln or your Mercedes. You're not going to take your million-dollar bank account. All of that staying for somebody else to spend. The only thing you're going to take with you is the salvation and the faith that you had and have in God. And when you stand before him, that's what you're going to do. And everything you did for the kingdom of God, you're taking with you. Because there's rewards. Amen. There's a soul winner's reward. There's an overcomer of temptation reward. There's rewards and there's crowns. And, and we ought to think about that because we live our life beneath what we should. Because we don't know that there's rewards and there's crowns in eternity. We're trying to get rewards here, but this isn't where it's at. It's there. So, let me get back to this. Whew. We have, here in the Word of God, we are to present our lives unto God. Just like Jesus was the Lamb, the sacrifice, and the one that sacrificed. He laid His life down. He laid His life down. Just like, just like Isaac climbed up on that sacrificial, sacrificial altar. Can you, I, I, you know, most people, if they knew they were getting ready to be sacrificed, they would have hightailed and ran. But Abraham knew God's going to raise him up. 
He stopped him because the Lord said, you know what, not yet. There's going to be this kind of sacrifice and this kind of resurrection, but it ain't going to be on your watch, Abraham, but it's going to be because of your obedience that it's going to happen. Amen. And it did. There was a showdown on Mount Calvary 2,000 years ago. Well, 2023, amen, whenever. <laughs> praise God. It's a long time ago, but praise God there was. And, uh, uh, but reading this, make no mistake, grace gives us the power to obey and respond in faithfulness to what God has called us to do and be. How can I, pastor, you know, present my body a living sacrifice? Only by the grace of God. Only as God gives you the power to do it can you do it. But it says here, we, make no mistake of that, grace gives us the power to obey and respond in faithfulness. Grace does not exempt us from accountability. That's why uh, Paul said, shall we go ahead and sin because grace? He said, shall we sin because, uh, because of grace? He said, God forbid you do that. Twice he said that. In other words, what he was saying is, there's a responsive action expected because of grace in your life. Because I know what some of you are thinking. I know Jesus was the sacrifice. He was the lamb. But he was also the high priest, the one that laid his life down. He is also the shepherd. He fulfilled all of those roles. We are to die to ourselves, but we're to live unto God. And we have a responsibility, amen, as sheep of his, shep of his uh, sheepfold. And he's our, sh he's our shepherd. But we have a responsibility of how we're supposed to live. And anybody that teaches you you have no responsibility is teaching you a lie. We have a responsibility. We have a, 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 a responsive action that's expected because of grace. The very fact that you receive according to what you believe proves there's a responsive action. The problem with people is that they say, well, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not saying that I don't believe, but I'm not ready to give my heart and life to Jesus. I said, you made a decision. By doing nothing means you made a choice. So quit saying that I'm just going to, you know, be here in the middle and just be, you know, neutral. No, there's no neutrality there in, in, in the salvation. You're either going to accept him or by you not accepting him, you've rejected him. There's no gray areas there, you know. But we have a responsive action that's expected. As his sheep, my question is, how do you order your life? That's your challenge tonight. How do I order and live my life? Did he not say we are kings and priests? And as priests, we are to come boldly before the throne of grace. Nobody but priests come before that throne. I mean, it's open access for everybody that wants to come to the mercy seat. But, but the way God set it up is there's, there, there's, there's, a, there's a priest that come. And that's why he said, I consider you all that. You have access now to God. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And when I use the word priest, it's simply this. It's somebody that is contra uh, uh, transacting business with God. Do you know when you come and worship, you, there, there's business going on between you and heaven. You're worshiping God. And you're praising God. And, and heaven is taking note of that. God is receiving that. If it's in spirit and in truth. 
If you come in and you say, I'll worship as long as they play my song, I can tell you it's not about you. It don't matter if they play your song, honey. What matters is that you worship God, whether it's amazing grace or if it's, you know, graves into gardens. It doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever, is worship, whatever song is playing, you worship Him. Amen? Amen. I know there's songs that are, that are erratic and all that. There's no peace there. And I say, I understand that. But, but sometimes we come in and go, well, you know, when they play my song, then I'll start worshiping. It ain't your song. It's His. Everything is His. So let's be mindful of that as we worship the Lord and as we come before Him. That priest transacts that business of spiritual business, of sacrifice, of worship, of prayer, of communion, and of obedience unto God. And, and as His sheep, the question is how do you order your life as priest? You know, we offer the sacrifice of praise as priests. We offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And we already read that. But my question is, because I'm running out of time, is what kind of sacrifice are you offering? Malachi chapter 1. This is what Malachi said to the priests. In chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. He said, you offer polluted bread upon my altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. You know, some people, and the only way I can describe it is this. Do you know what lukewarm is? Lukewarm is, eh, that's lukewarm. When you go, eh, you want to go to church? Eh. God says, you want to pray? And you go, mm. but whenever you're on fire and God says, you want to go to church? My God, yes. I'm out there waiting for my ride. Amen. I'm not contemplating whether or not I'm going to go. I'm waiting for my ride. Or I'm, I'm getting there early. I want to be there for prayer. I want to be in the presence of God. You can tell how people are eagerly wanting to be in the house of God by how soon or how late they get there. Well, pastor, you know, get there on time. Get prepared. I'm going to come into the presence of God. We're not coming to a concert. We're, people will, people will, will put more emphasis upon being early for things that are not eternal. I want to make sure I get to the Dodger game early because I don't want to lose my spot. I don't want to have to park all the way out in the nosebleed section of the parking lot you know I want to come on now I'm going to tell you that day I went to the DMV and I said I got to be there early you know why because I want to get in and get out I have a there's a purpose in me being there and I understand but I know if I wait and I'm late even 10 or 15 minutes it's going to be all the way down Harbor Boulevard or Euclid wherever it is down there in Fullerton amen Valencia. And even when I thought I'll get there early, guess what? The early bird got the worm. Going back to this. What kind of sacrifice are you offering? And he said, 
He said in the word of God here, you offer polluted bread upon my altar and you say, wherein have we polluted thee? And that you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. It's, it's something that I look at and, and, and I don't give it the, the respect and the reverence and the honor that it deserves. Amen. Amen. When you, have, when you look at somebody with contempt, you don't give them the, the respect or the honor or, 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 or what, is, what is expected and what should be expected. If you have contempt towards your parents, it's because you're not honoring them like you're supposed to. There's something down deep within you that has caused you to feel that way. Amen. Amen. And some people say, well, you know, I go to church, but it's dead. Let me tell you something. Aren't you part of that body? Aren't you, re- <laughs> aren't you responsible to bring life into that place? Aren't you responsible to come in there and say, yes, we're going to come in and we're going to pray. And we're going to seek God. We're going to warm this up. Amen. We're going to get the fire going before everybody even walks in here. Don't come in and say it's dead or there's no presence of God when you don't come and do anything to light the fire. Oh, I'm telling you, hopefully we'll have more people here on prayer on Sunday morning. They'll come into the house of God. Oh, Getting back here, though, he says in verse 8, And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto the governor. Will he be pleased with thee? Or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? What God is trying to say to us tonight and what Malachi dealt with in the priest's offering was that the sacrifice wasn't their best. What kind of a sheep are you? Because Jesus died to redeem you, but as uh, as a recipient of grace, we have a responsibility to worship Him in spirit and in truth and give God our best. Live under the grace of God for the best. Live a life overcoming. Live a life abundantly. His life in you, not your own, but His life in you. We give our best oftentimes to someone or something else other than God. And I challenge you, does He not deserve our best? Our best obedience? Our best faithfulness? Our best sacrifice? Does he not deserve our best honor and our best reverential fear? Imagine you're the sheep and the offerer offering the lame, the blind, and the sick. That's lukewarm. That's Laodicea. That's bringing an offering but not bringing the best. Thinking like Luke Laodicea did, thinking that they see but they were blind. Thinking they were rich but they were poor. Thinking that they were clothed, but they were naked. That's exactly what Jesus told them about the church of Laodicea. Make a note. He dealt with the priest because the offering and the sacrifice, its condition was a result of the heart and the attitude of the priest. Amen. This is why many are sick spiritually feeble and live beneath the power of His grace. Amen. 
It's because you don't receive that great blessing of God's grace or value it or understand it because you don't sow to it. You don't give your best to God. And, and, and I, I, I want to be very careful not to make this a work because it's not. But, but, but come on, church. You know, God redeemed us from the pits of hell. He picked us up off of the trash heap. Every one of you that's sitting in here, unless you came here and you were already born, you've got a testimony, though, from times past. He picked every one of us up. I preached at, at Pastor Lee's ship at First New Testament Sunday morning, and I said, there's a song we sing when he reached down his hand for me. There's a second part of that line of that chorus that says, he had to reach way down for me. Some of you, every one of us, he had to reach way down to pick you up. And what he's done in you, does he not deserve the very best? What kind of a sheep are you? Are you one that hears his voice? Are you one that's following him faithfully? And the priest were dealt with. And the reason that we don't see the power of God move in our lives is because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We live beneath the power of his grace. Amen. Grace does not render us blind. It does not render us lame. It does not render us sick. That's living beneath or less than what Jesus paid for. Yesterday, I was praying and I was seeking God. And my prayer, listen, I'm telling you, my, God will do things in my prayer time that just, they absolutely correlate with where I'm going. And he gives me that witness and that, testimony internally but I was praying and I noticed my prayer was so focused on the negative and not operating and praying and speaking about the good work of God you know why people don't value the grace of God they don't realize what an awesome God he is <laughs> amen and a lot of the preaching today, a lot of the preaching, especially in charismatic circles, and, 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 and you see in, in the very, very popular churches, it seems like that everything is about you and how you're going to get here when God says, just focus on me. Get your mind and your eyes off of yourself. Just put that to the side and focus on me. Realize how much I loved you. Realize that I was the lamb that was slain. Realize that I've done all of this for you and my grace and my power will bring you to where you're supposed to be. Get your eyes off of you and get your eyes on him. Because we're living beneath what we should. The reason our sacrifice seems so substandard is because our view of God is substandard. But he's saying, look and see. Then you don't have to walk around and not have eyesight, but you'll see spiritual things. You don't have to walk around as a lame person or a weak person or a sick person in Christ. There is no such thing. Amen. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And by his stripes, we were healed. What does that mean? That means you were born again delivered. You were born again delivered. When you come up here and you give your life to Jesus, he delivered you that moment. You got to believe it. But the devil came. I know the devil comes back. I know he comes back. That's why you have to press the claim of what Jesus did. 
He said it was nailed to the cross. He shed his blood and it never loses its power. But I'm praying. Listen, I'm praying. I'm seeking God. Oh my. And God began to show me. He said, you're operating. You're praying. Listen to yourself. You're focusing on all the things that you're doing, you're doing wrong or where you're in failure or where you're mediocre or all of these things. And he said, start praying faith. Start speaking life. Start, are you hearing me? Amen. And I quit saying, God, forgive me for being a worthless piece of trash. I said, Lord, let me change my prayer. I thank you for redeeming me. I thank you that I'm not who I used to be. I'm thankful that you raised me up. Amen. And you made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you that sin shall not have dominion over me anymore. I thank you, Lord, that you spoiled principalities and you made a show of them openly. I thank you, God. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you. I begin to pray. Oh, I'm telling you, when God, when God showed up in that hotel room, In Kenya, everything changed. We preach things we don't proclaim. We preach things that we don't speak in faith. But he said whenever you are pressed against the wall... He said all you could do was go all the way back to everything you ever knew. Every scripture. Everything preached. Every truth. Every word. And you begin to speak it. And he said as you pled the blood. As you quoted the word. As you bound the enemy. As you begin to say Satan the Lord rebuke you. He said that blood began to come alive. Woo. Amen. He said what happened was. All of that began to awaken that sleeping giant. Are you hearing me? That sleeping lion. Come on now. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. The power and the spirit of God rose up within you. That faith. Amen. The conquering Christ. The truth of that. What am I sitting over here in fear? What am I sitting over here letting the devil, you know, throw me around the room like a rag doll? I said, no, I plead the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is against you. It hit me. The power of God, you're living beneath it, son. Carry that over into your experience as a Christian. What are you presenting to God? Because as a born-again believer, you're to present the very best Not walk around and go, well, I'm a Christian. But you know, I struggle with everything. My God in heaven. I know we have struggles. I know people go through those things. Get in that altar and break through to an overcoming power. You don't need nobody to come up and deliver you. Jesus already did it. He already did it. You just need to get in that altar and you need to cry out to God. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I've been there. I've been there where I was bound up and I said, Lord, I can't go to talk to nobody about what I'm dealing with, about what I'm feeling. And God said, everything you need will be found in that altar. And he began to bring deliverance. Hallelujah. That's why people got to be delivered every other week. 
that's not the gospel. Get in that thing and live there. Abide there. Find your strength and your power there. In Christ. Not in somebody else. Would you please deliver me? My goodness, Jesus already did it. The only people I see needing deliverance were the people that were demon possessed and hadn't come to Christ. But when you come to Christ, you've been delivered. I don't care what anybody thinks. That's a Bible. I stand upon his word. We'll deal with whatever, whenever we've got to. But I'm sick and tired of Christian people living beneath the, 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 the person that they're supposed to be in Christ. Living beneath the power. My God. Who are we? Did he redeem us to be broken down people? Did he redeem us from a life of sin to dibble dabble and toy with sin and to be bound by it? No. Yeah, I've done it and you've done it. But God said enough is enough. It's about time we start living up to our Christian name. It's about time we start living up to the victory that Jesus purchased for us. It's about time, amen, that we focus on the main thing, which is Christ Jesus, the gospel that has the power unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Amen, amen. If you're struggling with something, come to the bleeding side of the cross of Calvary and watch as God one more time says, the blood still works. And quit making excuses. And quit, ooh. Quit living a substandard life. If there are things in your life, amen, and you couldn't do them in front of Jesus. I had a woman one time, she said, Pastor, I hear you. I've been hearing you for years. She said, but you know what? She said, when me and my husband, we go to Mexican, I always got to get a margarita. I said, you don't always got to get one. Are you telling me that you are going to let a margarita, an alcoholic drink, keep you from becoming what God has called you to be? Oh, I can't live without the vape. I can't live without the pot. I can't live without the alcohol. I can't live. You know, I just can't, Pastor. I just, uh, yes, you can. We're Christians. We're Christians. We're believers. What you're saying is, Lord, being a blind and a lame and a sick sheep that that come and present that to God. He said, my God, give me your best. Surrender those things. God will heal that. He'll heal that. He'll heal your insecurities. How do you know? Because he did it for me. He did it for me. Oh, he'll heal your inferiorities. He did it for me. Oh, but I lust, Pastor. Oh, everybody does for something. But you got to know I've got to present that to God and say, Lord, I'm going to repent and I'm going to follow after you. Amen. Oh, the devil's going to come. I know that. But that's why you got to be in your word. That's why you got to have that shield of faith to quench every fiery dart of the wicked. What happens is people take off their armor and they forget that the devil ain't quitting. Amen. He keeps coming back time and time again. But you got to be on your A game. Come on as a Christian and put on that whole armor. 
Every day, I don't ever live without it. Every day I'm in the Word of God and it's cleansing me. Every night before I go to bed, I pray. You got to get on your face before God and say, Lord, tonight I'm going to submit to you. And I bet it may be 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, but I've come here and before I lay my head on that pillow, God, I'm asking you to cover my mind in the blood. I surrender my life to you. The devil may come and try to trip me up in the middle of the night, but tonight I'm not going to look at pornography on my phone. Tonight I claim my life holy and righteous for you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Sick and tired of the people in the house of God living beneath where God saved them and delivered them to be. We're called to be overcomers. Amen. And you got to make up your mind. This is the way I'm going to live. Because there ain't going to be somebody to deliver you every other week. you got to know God for yourself. The apostle Paul said, I got a thorn in the flesh. He never went to anybody and said, deliver me. He went to God and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. I show you, I'm gonna bring you through that time. Yeah, the temptation may come, but I have given you the victory. (sighs) That's why we gotta walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why you need the Holy Ghost You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. Every day, fill me. Go before him and say, Lord, I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to get down here and say, Lord, please fill me today. Oh, but it didn't happen. Well, come the next day. Amen. Fill me today. Didn't happen. Come the next day. It's like like that woman in Luke 18 that said, avenge me of my adversary. Get out of here. That unjust judge said, get out of here. Will she come the next time? Amen. Oh, would you please get out of here? I don't know how many times she went. I don't know how many times, but I know this much. Jesus said, take a note of what What's taken place here? That judge, that unjust judge did not regard man nor God. But there came a point in time where he said, Get this woman out of her, give her what she wants and what she needs because she's driving me nuts. And he said, How much more does your God in heaven hear your prayer? He'll respond to you. You're not going to wear him out. But, Pastor, it didn't happen like I wanted you. Maybe he wanted to build faith in you. Maybe. He said, Naaman, go down in that Jordan River seven times. And he just stopped in the second and said, what am I doing here? The devil's screaming in his ear. What are you doing in there? You're a fool. Don't you realize who you are? You're somebody. And he said, here you are down here dipping in this muddy river. He's down the third time, the fourth time. And the devil's screaming in his ear, get out of here. Don't you see? Everybody's looking at you. But he went down a fifth time and a sixth time. And if he had stopped on the sixth time, he'd have never got healed but he went down the seventh time and he come up and his flesh was like a baby's skin the miracle is in your obedience and it takes faith to continue in that my God in heaven do you realize who you serve do you really realize who you serve I don't think some of us realize who we serve. He said, my sheep know my voice. They won't follow some other stranger. Oh, that devil comes as a stranger in the night. 
He'll drag you off. Tell you a lie in your head that you believe. Then you become deceived. Listen to God's word. Live godly. Oh, if we've ever needed to have preached more and more and more as God has called you to holiness and righteousness and purity. Not to live one leg in the earth, the world and the other leg in the kingdom of God. Amen. That's the worst place of torment you'll ever be. Whenever you're hanging on to the world and hanging on, trying to hold on to God. He said, make your calling and election sure. Elijah said on Mount Carmel, how long will you halt between two opinions? If God's God, serve him. If Baal's God, serve him. But this in the middle stuff's got to stop. He didn't call us to be lukewarm. He called us to be overcomers. Because your testimony in victory is God's glory. That's a short right there. Your testimony, your, your testimony of God's victory in your life, amen, is the glory of God. It's the glory of God. When he said, worship me in the beauty of holiness. People watch you. Even Balaam. Oh, there's so much nonsense about, you know, the devil and this and that. I said, Balaam looked over and tried to curse Israel and he could not. Balak said, let's try from a different view. I'll give you more money. I told you, God said no. Ooh, he got mad. Let's come over here. Let's give it another day. Rethink this. Let me add a little bit to the kitty here. Let me add a little bit to the pot. He said, I told you, not only did God tell me he wouldn't curse them, he has pronounced a blessing over them. Do you know when Israel, Balaam said, I looked out upon the tents and how the Israelites ordered their life. I was blown away. A church that is unified. One can take a thousand. Two, ten thousand. That means two connected do ten times what one person could do. Can you imagine a church full of a hundred people on fire for God? John Ramirez, who is a satanic worshiper in the occult. He's a Christian, now a preacher. He's, he's, he's just dynamic, but he said, I used to do all kinds of stuff and try to put spells on people. And he said, and I did. I ruined people's lives. I destroyed their lives. He said, but I saw people in a circle praying. And he said, the power that they possessed was greater than the power that I had. That is what caused me to say, hold on here just a second. I'm not serving the ultimate power. There is a greater power. And that's how he came to Christ. God saved him and delivered him. And now he's a preacher of the gospel. Nominal Christianity is over. And I'm going to tell you why as I close. Because we're living in a day and a time. If you do not have your oil, your lamp full of oil, and you are not serious You'll take the mark of the beast. I'm telling you, you'll miss a rapture. You'll take the mark of the beast. God is calling us to seriousness. Amen. We are called to be powerhouses for God. Amen. <clears throat> Everywhere we go, 
My God, I preached to you tonight. God spoke to you. What kind of sheep are you? What kind of sheep are you? David said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If you're his sheep, you'll have a place to live. It may not even be your place, but you'll have a place. And when you need your own place, he'll give you your own place. You hear me? He'll give you your own place. This guy here lived in my shed. Amen. He didn't have any place else to go. I didn't have a room. I said, it's all I got's the shed. We put an air conditioner out there and insulated it and a queen-sized bed. And I said, you have a poolside view. <laughs> but after a while, probably a year, year and a half, I don't know how long, they began to get tired of that. Said, we got to have our own place. They began to seek God. On the day, God said, Priscilla went on offer up or Craigslist or something, found a place up here. It was a sweetheart deal. Only God could have orchestrated it. You all know how much stuff cost. Well, they got the rent and all the utilities. I think it was about thirteen or $1,400 a month, and that was peanuts compared to what they're charging for a studio in Brea or La Habra. And then there came a time when the family began to expand. We need a place to go. They began to pray and seek God. A door opened up. And what God has done for one, he'll do for you. He's going to do it. But my husband's not saved. Well, get in that altar and cry out to God. My grandkids ain't saved. Get in that altar and cry out to God. There are people that are coming to this church that we've prayed for five or six years. Thank God we didn't give up praying. And they may not be everything they're supposed to be, but they're coming. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He makes you righteous for his name's sake. So they can go, there's something about that person. What is it about you? They're going to say to you, Mama Andrea, Grandma, you've got something we ain't seen for years. Amen. Yeah. And watch them as like the Pied Piper. You just bring them in here. Just They'll come right behind you as you pour into them loving. Amen. Oh, yeah, family will come. They'll attack you. They'll tell you you're, you know, Holy Joe or Holy Helen. You're a Bible thumper now. Don't beat us over the head with the Bible. Just keep on serving God. I've been there. My family said, we don't want to hear that. I said, that's all right. I don't have to tell you. But I told everybody everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. They'll come and attack, but it's all right. Jesus said it would happen. They persecuted me. They'll persecute you. You're just living for Jesus, and people won't even leave you alone. You're just like, my goodness, I didn't even say anything. I just walked in the room. Leave a brother alone. 
The devil wants to beat you down. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside in the green pastures, still waters, and restores my soul. Leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and you will be there at one time or another, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. See, there's a staff that'll pull you in, and the other part of that staff is the rod that'll swipe the, the wolf and the, the lion. Amen. Just remember, you belong to him. God knows how to protect you. I had people at my job, they picked and picked and picked at me, and I said, Lord, and, and this is my prayer. I said, Lord, I'm under such severe persecution from everybody. And all I'm doing is living my life. And I said, Lord, I'm praying you save them. And if you don't, just send them down the road to another job. Well, they got fired. I didn't fire them. I asked God to bless them to have a better job. But you know what? Two or three of them, they got fired. One guy came into me and he said, hey, he said, I just want you to know. I like you. Please don't pray for me. I said, Sid, you're my friend. You've never persecuted me. I said, I pray for everybody here. But they knew this guy walks with God. Amen. You be careful before you touch one of my little sheep. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So will I ever be in his house. What kind of sheep are you? I can tell you he's called you to be an overcomer, a conqueror, because he conquered he didn't call you to live beneath that. But he said, you are my sheep. Live that way. Be that way. In trust, in faith, even in your fight against the enemy, the way you live your life and order your life, it's grace that you're going to do it. My God in heaven. 